Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. I'm Jen, and I've never seen Fight Club, but even I know we don't talk about it. I'm Lara, and I hold an unwritten rule that if I'm driving, I get the right to determine the route we take and the music choice we make. No discussion. We all know that unwritten rules exist in work environments, family structures, and social structures. We also have varying opinions on which unwritten rules we wish were written or at least more universally adhered to. Dealing with unwritten rules requires understanding where they come from and how to uncover them to improve your organizational culture, your processes, or to avoid unexpected challenges in the midst of change. Let's start understanding some unwritten rules. Jen, today's subject, unwritten rules. We all know what they are, but I still think some examples could be fun. What's your favorite <laughs> example of an unwritten rule? I think, I don't know if it's a favorite, but I think one of the ones we should hit is what are the things that you are allowed and not allowed to microwave in a shared workspace? Oh, that's a really good one. Yes. Like people bring their leftover fish and try to heat it up and that's not okay. It's just, it's oh. not okay. That's the Coastal Carolina version of that. The Northern <laughs> Pennsylvania Dutch version of that is sauerkraut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah, like the first, the first week of January, dude, no, keep it at home. And I say that as one who loves the kraut, so just saying. <laughs> but it don't smell good. Yeah, okay, so like what to microwave or not to microwave is a great one. Mm -hmm. My other area of favorite written or and unwritten rules is games, particularly cards. The unwritten <laughs> rules of playing cards is fabulous to me. Yeah. Yeah. I know you hate it. I know you don't like playing cards. The unwritten rule of cards with Jen is just don't ask her to play. But the it's whole true. concept, the whole concept of like I mean, how you put the cards on the table, the mm -hmm. order, the organizational structure of that, when you draw, when you don't draw during your turn. Like these unwritten rules are very, very, very important to some people, myself included. So I'm not going to knock it. Like this is a big deal. I also was exposed to a different game one the other week. So I jumped on the bandwagon and I read, I should say, I audiobooked Queen's Gambit. Oh, and I watched it. Oh, see, blend us together and all bases are covered. <laughs> so the whole, like, if you touch it, you have to move it, right? right. Mm -hmm. That whole concept early on where she learns if you touch the chess piece, you're in. You've got to move it now. You can't touch it, ponder, and stop, right? Yep. So I love these unwritten rules. They're fun and funny to talk about sometimes. What isn't funny is the realization sometimes that the unwritten rules are the ones that can make and break you in life in general. This is mm -hmm. not just a game. Mm -hmm. 
It's so true. There's unwritten rules and you you walk into an organization and you think you know what to expect and you're trying to navigate the waters. But one of the things, I mean, if you've ever been new really to anything, is that you just have to discover over time all the pieces that no one even thought to tell you because everybody else just already knew and understood it. It was lying below the surface, but you probably discovered it when you broke it and suddenly you're an outlier and you didn't even mean to be. It's so true because you just don't even know what you did. And the other thing, the flip side of that coin is that you are adhering to and maybe even upholding Mm. unwritten rules that you don't even realize are having a big effect on what you're doing. So not Mm -hmm. only do you fail to impart them to others, you're allowing them to dictate your activity and maybe you're even punishing others completely subconsciously in some cases because you've allowed it to happen over time. It's actually something for me that I consider a professional watch out. I'm almost 21 years in the organization I work in. Mm -hmm. I have developed a culture of unwritten rules with others and around me that I don't even consciously realize exist unless somebody points it out to me. And I've got to be careful of that and acknowledge that. So that's, to me, point number one we are making today. Unwritten rules, be aware of them because they're not just being applied to you, you are applying them. Yes, and and they happen so readily. And so we talked about the fact that if we're going to if we're going to handle these unwritten rules, and I think bigger than that, if we're going to make sure they don't become the um, unwelcome surprise or interruption in the midst of a move that your organization's trying to make or in the midst of a hiring process, whatever it is, is we have to understand where they come from. And one of the things that we've already said is they really do come from history it it, you know there aren't a lot of unwritten rules in an organization that was started yesterday but over time things it it, it's culture and it's partly why i think we've done a better job in recent years of identifying you know what are the the cultural norms and the cultural roles by naming those in some ways we are giving words to the unwritten rules but when we don't we ignore the fact that culture and history by its very nature creates modes of behavior that we all start to adhere to and we look very poorly on the people that don't follow them. Why wouldn't you do this? Why don't you understand? This is the way and here's the catch. It's always been done. It's always been done. And I think the other thing, so that's kind of the organizational perspective of it. I think there's also something to be said for the personal version of it that can be applied in your child rearing, in your marriage, in your friendships, in what you personally bring Mm -hmm. to your work culture. We all have histories that have given us a personal set of unwritten rules that we carry with us. So even if I changed organizations, I'm gonna take some of those unwritten rules that I have with me, and we're gonna in a minute do some confessionals of the unwritten rules. Like (laughs) I'm taking them with me if I go somewhere. There's no doubt about them following me either. So we need to be very aware of them as individuals so that we can either put them to good use or address them as in, stop applying them if they're not helpful. 
Yes. And the classic one, and I, you know, I think just getting to some specific examples will help everybody with what we're looking at here. But when you talk about the personal side, it takes me to one of the things that I get to do um, somewhat frequently is premarital counseling. Um, I've got, you know, couples sitting in my office that we're getting ready to to get them married and, and officiate a wedding and send them off into their life together. And one of the things I spend a lot of time doing is try to un is trying to unearth the unspoken and unrealized expectations. And one of my favorite illustrations comes from an old mentor of mine who loved to tell the story of the trash and the fact that when he and his wife first got married, the tension in their house literally rose and fell with the level of the trash in the kitchen trash can. And it was because he had grown up in a household where a lot of the chores were his, but the one that he didn't have to do was empty the trash. Likewise, his wife had grown up in a house where she only had brothers and she did the inside household chores, but the one thing she didn't have to do that her brothers were responsible for was the kitchen trash. It didn't occur to either of them that they had a very ingrained predisposition, but they had a weekly standoff over their unspoken refusal to take the trash out and the expectation that the other person should do it. And I love that illustration because it's just, it's so simple and it's so ridiculous. And yet it illustrates the fact that we as people move in and out of relationships and organizations with a lot of unspoken assumptions and they can mess with us okay so having said that let's get down to a couple things about what ours are to continue this so i'm going to be the first to acknowledge i have some there's some big ones i know you're very shocked right um and then i want to talk a little bit generically about the types of things you could be looking for but i'm going to start by just saying like i have one that's not shocking that i i really like things to be buttoned up shocker (laughs) And by that, I mean, like, have your information, don't just have your information, but be prepared to present it. And I don't mean that in a normal, in a, excuse me, formal way, but be prepared to discuss it and use it and articulate yourself well when necessary, right? Like be buttoned up, be ready to articulate your information and to have good choices of words around it, right? So there's two there's a positive and a negative to that right i think the positive is i set a pretty high expectation that's good for training ground and when we speak you know folks around me that are subject to that unwritten rule unfortunately for them or are accustomed to it right it, it is a good habit to build to have your ducks in a row on the other hand i am not entirely consciously, but on some level, I know I am taking away the element of spontaneity. And there's some things that I may never hear because people feel like they can't get it buttoned up enough for me, right? So they're just gonna, so it might get withheld. So you have to understand that there are positives and there are negatives there that go with that unwritten rule. But I at least need to recognize that I've placed that kind of unwritten rule out there. And that might require me to occasionally say, hey guys, for tomorrow's meeting, nobody prepare anything. Let's just talk about things that you're seeing and hearing, (laughs) but giving them freedom to break the rule, to overcome the fact that that is the general approach that I use. So probably ridiculous, but I think I wanna give folks a flavor for how you can start to be aware of how you are creating and need to manage unwritten rules that you are party to, not just the ones cast upon you. 
Jen, how about on written rules that you put out there? I'm sure there's, you know, nothing to speak of here. No, I can't think of a single one. So funny. Um, obviously, that's not true. And, I, you know, we could make a very long list. But I think a close cousin of mine to the one that you just mentioned is that um, the length of my preaching and teaching aside, I really have a bias toward concise statements and concise arguments. And I know recently we discussed the whole you should be able to have a one sentence bottom line that articulates your point and I've noticed you know more and more that I have very little tolerance for what I would deem extra I have very little tolerance for the fluff the the extra details that feel superfluous and I get frustrated easily and if I'm not careful I cut people off quickly as soon as my brain has decided that they've wandered into the unnecessary and that's a problem a because it's rude and b because much like you were saying you might miss some of the best information because turns out not everybody organizes their thoughts the exact same way i organize my thoughts and if i really am interested in hearing other people then i can't constantly be going through a calculation in my mind of did we move into the unnecessary and my goodness i do this to my husband all the time let's let's talk about that another time laura that's for a different podcast (laughs) under a very different under our pseudonyms that's the podcast where we use pseudonyms right Right. Direct message me, folks, and I'll let you know which one that is. Um, (laughs) It's a great point. Okay, so those are examples of us and how unwritten rules are coming from us, right? I think the other thing is that unwritten rules obviously can be part of an organization we've discussed. So an example I would draw out here to help folks hone in on this idea is that a lot of organizations have unwritten rules about how information is socialized and decisions get made. Mm -hmm. So for example, in some organizations, if you were to walk into a meeting with fresh information that you've not shared with others around the table Mm. and ask for a decision, Mm-hmm. you're you might as well just stand on the table and dance and sing um a ridiculous song right people are not are gonna laugh at you or be unresponsive or even angry that you've quote sprung something on them yeah right so every organization so that would be like the okay i've done no, i've told no one i've sprung it on them all the way to the i've already pre-discussed this with everyone in the room to every single detail gotten their informal approval this is a pure formality right like there's an entire continuum there Mm -hmm. on how things get socialized every single organization i've ever been exposed to has a place on the how much do we socialize before deciding continuum right there is an unwritten rule that i'd tell you if you're new to an environment or if you're old to one and need a gut check ask some questions Mm -hmm. because that's a huge one that takes over organizational culture yeah that's huge i love how you explained that laura that that socializing continuum of really getting a sense for how much have we already discussed this how much information is shared and in what locations should it be shared because i've definitely seen power struggles in in lots of different places in organizations that i've been part of where people simply really 
got frustrated because pieces of information weren't shared at the time or the place that they thought they were supposed to. And I think that goes immediately to another one, which is the unwritten rule of organizational hierarchy. And the written one tends to be our org charts, right? We can look at an org chart and go, this person reports to this person, this person reports to this person. But with history, a lot of times what happens is people develop different roles within the organization that aren't necessarily part of the org chart, but they're a very ingrained piece. And I, I think this is, a, I, I know this is true um, in the organization I'm a part of. There's people that simply buy their um, length of time and their level of experience. There's an expectation that that person has been considered and their opinion weighted differently than others in the room. And again, that's not something that gets written down. That's an that's something that's built historically that if you're walking in off the street, you don't know that if this person hasn't spoken into it, it's not fully being considered yet. Yeah, it's a really good point. So it's that formal and informal organizational structure that really drives how things happen. These are unwritten rules. Um, I've even talked to some folks that have said that exists in the military, right? Which is fascinating to me because right. I don't think you could get any more structured from a hierarchy standpoint. And yet there are folks that will tell you even in a military setting, you have to understand where the influence points are because that's really what it comes down to. Part of the un unwritten rules are understanding where the influencing parts are, are whether it's positional or personal they exist go in and understand them so these are really good examples and i think um, what's really important to hopefully have people hearing is that unwritten rules can have a very they can have a negative impact and again to continue that kind of continuum word i've introduced today because it's convenient here as well you can have the negative and you can have the positive end of this mm -hmm. unwritten rule impact right there are positive unwritten rules like i've referenced before that i have rules about use of email that people that work around me know exist mm -hmm. that's could be i certainly think it is it's a positive thing do i have a written formal document that says thou shalt never use hit reply all on more than the third <laughs> message in a grouping <laughs> no i do not um, however, people understand, one, that it's my general expectation that if something's taken more than three to four emails and isn't resolving, pick up a phone. Mm -hmm. Because the first question I'm going to ask you when it gets to me is, who picked up the phone? Mm -hmm. um, and by that, I mean hit the button on the computer and talk to you over the interwebs. I'm not 87, I understand. <laughs> so, like, so, but that's an important one, right? And at the same time, what goes along with that is a sense of organizational respect. I expect that you would have enough respect for your colleagues that you're not flinging emails back mm -hmm. and forth over a wall and that you are having an honest discussion and solving problems. Enough respect to identify an issue, solve the problem and move on instead of flinging mud back and forth, which is generally what emails turn into. So an example of one that I think shows you, these are the unwritten rules that can be very positive and applicable to what we do. I like that. And those those do make sense. And I, I mean, if we can connect this to what we talked about last week, you know, don't don't use a rule to take the place of a crucial conversation. And on the other hand, don't continue to have the same crucial conversation and not let it occur to you that maybe something needs to be spoken out loud and directly to everyone so that you're on the same page. By the third time you've had to do it, 
you probably should have should have communicated it clearly to everyone. So those are some of our intro thoughts about where these unwritten rules come from. Laura, you did a really good job helping us see that they can be both negative, but they can also be useful. So we're going to come back in just a minute and talk about how we uncover them and really make sure that they're not lying in the weeds, making waiting to trip us up. Today on Real Talk, we want to embrace the fact that warmer temperatures are on the way, that things are growing, spring has come, and part of the way we know spring has arrived is because of spring training and baseball. Laura, do you have Woo-hoo! a baseball pl- you have a baseball player in your house, correct? We do, and I got to tell you, I am so excited to see the glove, like <laughs> rubber band, you know, yeah. rubber banded with a ball in it, get ready to go, and to see the bat coming out, and to think about going to Dick's Sporting Goods to get this year's pants, because of yeah. course he grows six inches between every season. So, right, um, baseball just makes my heart warm and fuzzy and happy, and knowing that we're going to actually be allowed to buy tickets to attend baseball games this year woo-hoo! is amazing. That's what yep. we're coming out of last spring was certainly trying in all the ways and baseball you know happened in a very bizarre way and now it's coming back and so I would say that every sport has unwritten rules but baseball just might have the most and Laura some of the ones that I think about right away are don't step on the pitcher's mound like just don't that's a really good one like and staying in the pitching theme do not discuss a no hitter that is underway. No, right? mm-hmm. Do, no, don't say the words. Heck to the no. So we like <laughs> pitchers have a, an entire. It's kind of like quarterbacks in football. There's an entire realm of yeah. unwritten rules that go around pitchers. Don't cross their paths. Don't cast a shadow upon them. Don't touch their mound. Don't look at them funny. Just yeah. do not. And I don't think you're supposed to walk in front of a catcher either. I mean, obviously, because you might get clocked. But also, like, I think I think that's a thing, too, for catchers, that you're not supposed to walk right in front of them. But then another one that I really think we should continue to enforce, because we all know that we think mean thoughts about the person who does this, and it's the, if you're an adult who catches a foul ball, for the love of all things, give it to the kid nearby with their glove that has spent the whole game trying to get one. Oh, no joke. Like, there is no better way to have yourself whooped up in the parking lot or have beer thrown on you than if you keep that ball and you're over the age of 12. Yeah. And I mean, some people might come for us. I know that it might be a big game and things change, but, you know, we've all seen it happen on the Jumbotron where you watch, you know, all these kids trying to catch a foul ball ball, and then some adult grabs it and keeps it. And we all... You know what you're thinking about that person. So, but one of the ones that's been challenged in recent years is the unwritten rule that you don't swing at a pitch when the count is 3-0 and your team is up by several runs. That's one of those, um, for lack of a better word, and I know, um, you know, men and women, but it's a gentleman's rule <laughs> of when your team is is up by several runs and the count is 3-0, you don't swing. Like, if it's a strike, it's a strike, but you just don't swing. But last year, one of the ones I remember, and I, I don't watch a ton of baseball, but we were all looking for things to watch last spring. But um, it was a San Diego Padres game. I think they were playing the Rangers. And Fernando, and I'm going to say it wrong, Tatis, 
is it Tatis, Lara? Fernando Tatis Jr. He caught a whole lot of grief because he hit a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch while they were up seven runs on the Rangers. He was not looked upon favorably on ESPN the next morning. Yeah, he was not. Um, for quite a while, that actually was quite the controversial thing. And I got to tell you, I'm just going to tell everybody, one of my unwritten rules is that I find this unwritten rule very uncomfortable because <laughs> you just never know when the other team could come back, exactly. especially in baseball. And I don't know if I want to be the punk up there who doesn't take advantage of an opportunity and then something weird happens the next inning and we end up losing. But these yeah. are very difficult unwritten rules to navigate, especially in this world where we consider it sportsmanship to not pile on to a team that is already losing like there's a fine line between not piling on and putting yourself at risk for a sudden loss so to all of these baseball players subjected to these unwritten rules I say happy to see in ballparks can't wait to join you there Mm -hmm. and good luck and it could be worse you could be a golfer (laughs) that's real talk Okay, Laura, we're back, and we've talked about the fact that unwritten rules can be good and they can be bad, but it is important that we uncover them and allow them to be as useful as possible. And so let's talk quickly about uncovering the unwritten rules that seem to be forming a workplace, but nobody fully realizes they exist. Laura, what are some ways that we uncover those rules? So I think the first one is having really good feedback circles. There's nothing Mm -hmm. earth shattering here about the need for feedback circles in our lives, but I think this is something very unique you should be looking for in them. Whether it's customer feedback, employee feedback, supervisor feedback, you should specifically be listening for their application of an unwritten rule, as well as their interpretation of your unwritten rules. Um, as a very specific subset of feedback to start to understand where they could exist in the organizational culture in which you're working. I think in particular, when it comes to your customers, your clients, whatever the right word is there, right? The constituency that you are serving through the work that you do, Mm -hmm. what are they saying? Because not only does your own company have unwritten rules or your own family, there are also unwritten rules coming from external forces that you need to be aware of. So this feedback circle is huge on this topic. It is. And one of the ones that I've heard really specifically is the idea of talking to the fringe. Who are the people that are the unhappy customer, the uncooperative staff member? Who is the outlier that it's easy to just go, everybody else gets it, so it's something that's wrong with that person. It might be. However, if you're realizing that there might be an unwritten rule, those are the best people to talk to first because it could be that it's an unwritten rule that everyone else is happily abiding by. So again, it's not necessarily a bad one. It's just nobody else realizes it because it works for them. And then you've got that one person who feels like they're unhappy or uncooperative and it's because there's there's a disconnect there and so sometimes talking to the fringe is really helpful because you can be getting feedback from all of your customers that have stayed loyal customers but they likely have missed it as well 
I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of times, just like any other kind of feedback, even the fringe feedback, there's usually something to be garnered from it. Something caused them to take that extreme position. So I really like that view, Jen, that you've given us on being aware of what the fringe is saying um, in order to understand unwritten rules. To me, the other thing that I think about is this concept of self-assessment. Jen and I modeled it in the first segment a little bit today, mm -hmm. but taking that moment to understand what are some of your personal behaviors and how do they make you aware of unwritten rules? And I will say it again, we've implied it a couple times now, this is not just a professional statement. I think we all could apply this to our lives personally. What unwritten rules do I make my family subject to hmm. um, and or even said differently do I make my family crazy with that I'm unwilling to recognize exist right like mm -hmm. I go just out of my ever loving mind if the shoes in the front hall closet aren't either in cubby slots or lined up in front of the cubby slots because they're full <laughs> I, it just makes me out of my ever loving mind my family knows that like in the unwritten role category take care of that if you want something from me because if i'm looking to stall on you it's one of the first things i'm going to do is set is check on general cleanliness and organization and that closet is right there staring me back in the face all the time so it sounds silly and i'm being silly a little bit on purpose because mm -hmm. some of them are ludicrous that is ludicrous of me that i need the shoes lined up mm -hmm. but be aware of it and when you become aware of it, you can do some things that maybe enable it and make it a positive thing and help it. So if I carry that analogy further, I have that shoe issue. Recognized recently, I needed a larger new shoe rack for in the garage <laughs> that would allow everyone to neatly put their shoes away because mm -hmm. part of the issue was just sheer unavailable open space to do it the right way, right? So again, craziness. That self-awareness, self-reflection, so that you can adjust and make that unwritten rule beneficial for everyone. Yeah. Good. And again, it ties directly into, I mean, again, we talked about getting feedback from your employees, your customers, and everybody else. Then we talked specifically about getting to the fringe. But then this self-assessment, it is really part of it, and especially when you are trying to uncover the pieces of you, right? You only experience a room when you're in it. So you have to ask other people how the room changes when you walk into it. And so we talk about general feedback to uncover organizational unwritten rules, but don't forget the feedback that is part of your own personal, especially if you lead an organization. If you find yourself leading a team um, in charge of a project, Take the time to ask some people, goodness, what are some things I'm bringing to this room? Because I promise you, they can name your unwritten rules faster than you can. So if you really are interested in that honest self-assessment, let some other people speak into, <laughs> speak into that for you. So, it's, Which takes a lot of nerve, but it's so beneficial. And let's get there. So we have unwritten rules. We've talked a little bit about how we can uncover those unwritten rules. I think everybody's getting the point. Well. Part of the reason we wanna get these unwritten rules uncovered is because we wanna make some decisions about them. Do we wanna out them, move mm -hmm. them from unwritten to written? Do we want to move them from unwritten to abolished? Yeah. Or do we wanna actually make sure that we allow them to remain unwritten because it's a subtlety that's important to us maybe, right? So I mm -hmm. think that whole concept of understanding them so you can make sure you're getting the best use of them is good. And I think the question then becomes, how do I make the decision? Once I've identified it and I've outed it, at least to myself, what do I do with it? 
um, now that I know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so the first thing, and, and to me, that becomes, okay, I know what they are. What are the unwritten rules that are so highly beneficial that we should formalize it? So for example, an unwritten rule in history, let's go to, um, you know what, L.L. Bean is a fantastic example, um, known for their customer service. There was a time in L.L. Bean's history, and this goes back a long time, a lot of folks realize there's a long history with this company, where it was implied but not formal that they had a guarantee for their products. Essentially, no questions asked. If you've got an issue, we're gonna replace it. They leveraged that into a written formal policy statement to give them a competitive edge. Now, some folks listening will know that about two, three years ago, they had to alter that because it was being taken advantage of. But let's step back and hold on to the you know example. There is a competitive advantage to be found in what started as an unwritten rule. I think the same could be said for some of our more personal ones in that, hey, the rule about how you conduct yourself in a meeting that's unwritten is actually worth putting into meeting etiquette rules because it's so beneficial to everybody. Let's make sure we're all applying it and we're overt about it. There mm-hmm. are beneficial unwritten rules that are so good, you wanna formalize them so you can get the most mileage out of them. Exactly, and I think another example I would offer is a Chick-fil-A. Again, in the world of fast food, they have stood out repeatedly because they focused on excellence and the customer experience and so they you know they have just figured things out and for a long time even when they started the whole my pleasure that was a thing that started all the way up at the top with Truett Cathy and it took years for it to start to pass along because they were just trying to do it by example it wasn't a rule that you had to say my pleasure to every request it was something they started to do but then they formalized it into one of their company culture statements that was second mile service We will always do the second mile service, which focuses on not only being kind and friendly, but being overt in that friendliness. And when they gave people language for that, it it allowed training around that to go so much more quickly because they named it. That was that, you know, unwritten rule. What does this actually mean? What's at the heart of it? Let's give people language for it. And now we can really embed that in every one of our franchises. I love that. That's a great example. All things Jesus chicken are welcome on this show anytime (laughs) as examples. And now I have to rethink what my dinner plans are. So, yeah, mm, chicken. So the unwritten rule and outing it, the next thing obviously is the complete other side of that coin, which is the what are we going to do with the unwritten rule that we've realized exists and we find it to be completely destructive. So now we need to acknowledge it so we can abolish it. Mm -hmm. And this one is just as powerful once you realize it exists. If you have an unwritten rule out go back to the one I offered in the first segment, if you have such a requirement for thorough detailed information that it's holding the organization back you need to find a way to abolish that or or outwardly put it on hold at appropriate times right and it required for me somebody that's on my staff two years ago or so to make me realize that like you know what if we occasionally go into a meeting not fully buttoned up we're going to spurn some conversation that's going to be helpful for us and that's a really good thing to know and understand so i use myself as an example and harken back to that but when we out an unwritten rule that's destructive we got to have a plan to abolish it and make sure that folks understand that you're serious about getting rid of it 
I, I really appreciate that. And it takes me then back to one of the things we said in our last episode, which is that we have rules to help with clarity, consistency, and collaboration. And one of the one of the whys and hows behind outing the unwritten rule is creating internal clarity. And so when you've got people on your team that feel confused or timid and you need to have more open interaction, you've got to bring out and name more of the this is how we're going to have this conversation. I've gone into meetings before where I've had to say up front, hey, I already know there's a lot of tension around this and what I want is to get it all out on the table. And as soon as you take the underlying thing and you name it and you make it a, you know, a a spoken rule policy, this is how this meeting is going to happen. I want to hear from everybody. I want all of it to be said first. Then you invite everybody to come to the table who might be wondering, well, am I allowed to share that? Are only these people going to offer their opinions? What are we going to do with this specific place? And so sometimes for internal clarity, you really need to out the unwritten rules and set the stage for what the rule needs to be in that moment. And that's just a really good place to, you know, I, and I guess maybe I am speaking really specifically about a meeting, um, a meeting dynamic of of letting unwritten rules be really obvious. I think that's a really good example, though. It drives clarity and more decisive, productive action. I think the other place where you want to get these unwritten rules out in public is when you're working in an organization or an area where there's a lot of turnover and change taking place like when there's a lot of change and there aren't people to carry forward the banner on some of these rules and they're Mm -hmm. important you need to actually say them out loud and get them um, so people can be aware of them and react to them quickly especially from a change management perspective we didn't cover this when we did our first change management series i'm sure we will do many more change management series in years (laughs) to come and come back to it but this is one where when you're going through big change there's no room for the unwritten rule or for the implication of what needs to happen you got to call it so you can deal with it and at the same thing change could be people if there's a lot of folks going and coming you have to say what is a go and a no-go because it's otherwise going to take an excessively long time for that forming storming norming to happen to use that kind of old school language right you've got to force people past the storm very very quickly and you can't do that if you're being coy with the unwritten rule I think that's good and Laura just to wrap that whole thing up I think I want to invite everyone to consider that currently whether you're in a place where you feel like there's unusual turnover um, in your organization or in departments, our organizations are all experiencing a lot of shift right now as we start to move out of this pandemic that we've been in and back to some different, better, normal, whatever word you want to use, ways of doing things. It's, it's a really important season to make sure you're uncovering unwritten rules, figuring out where rules 
did get written that nobody noticed during different ways of working. And as we make the shift, trying to be as clear and forthcoming as possible with those policies, with those expectations, with the pieces that are out there. This is just, it's a really timely conversation, I think, about beware. What is it, what are the cultural pieces that have been written in the last year that you haven't fully acknowledged? And how does that shift in the months that are to come? So this has been a really good conversation on unwritten rules. We're going to play this out in memory lane. Meet us there. Pause. Good. Welcome to memory lane. And it just seems only appropriate that we acknowledge that our family in fact had plenty of rules. <laughs> Some yeah yeah plenty of rules i don't think any of them were formally written down in a family charter or anything like that because no. that's kind of weird I, I guess i shouldn't say that because people do that i think so yeah, yeah. that's not weird it's a personal choice if you have such a thing in your family um so but we definitely had some let's call them well understoods mm -hmm. as opposed to the unwritten rules in our house and a lot of it had to do with like what you would eat when and how you would react to the parents. Jen, is there a category of unwritten rules in our household that you thought were particularly apparent? Um, I, yes. And this is just gonna be one of those areas where we're just gonna have to fully acknowledge that we were in a house of girls. And so with you and me, um, there were rules then about boys. <laughs> And they were never written, they were never formalized, but if there was an area that we had absolute clarity on, it was that there were things that were and were not to be allowed. And one of them was never, ever, 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 ever should one of them be in the house when parents were not there. Ever. Not only, never. Not only were they to um, not be in the house if parents were there, even if parents were there, they were not to leave the common areas. Correct. Like, in fact, in the house we were in during those formative high school years where this was particularly important, the restroom was halfway back the hall. And you better believe that there was an awareness of how far back the hall and why these gentlemen were proceeding. Yes, and if they were going there, then we very definitely should still be in the common area. Um, yes. And I, yes. you know, and I think these are things we didn't even fully realize at this point in our life, but we can both think back about the fact that mirrors were also very clearly placed in ways where there were not hidden spots in our house. Like if you were in the kitchen, there was a mirror over the piano that was at an angle that you could see what was happening in the living room. And I do think that was decorative, but I also know that our parents at any given moment could stand in the kitchen and see everything happening in the living room. You just blew my mind a little bit. Did they do that on purpose or not? That was pretty much for you, Laura. I know. Yeah. We won't go there. I don't I don't think any of our listeners would find it mysterious to realize that I was the problem and not you. So I have to say this one in the unwritten rule category. One of them was that there was never a doubt that the man that we intended to marry was going to ask for dad's and mom's permission yes. to ask to marry us. Mm -hmm. And to the point that it never even occurred to me that I would question ultimately John when he asked me to marry, did you ask dad first? Because duh, even he knew the unwritten rule and would not have chosen to abide otherwise. <laughs> However, I do have to share on this beautiful memory lane 
the ironic and amusing part of that unwritten rule is that there was the unwritten rule that he would ask permission so that mom and dad had that even if it was a formality that opportunity in theory to provide a filter for the man i would marry <laughs> the irony is when john asked dad for my hand in marriage it ended up having nothing to do with john dad actually asked John if he really wanted to marry me and was fully aware of the quote high maintenance somewhat demanding requirements I came with. Was the word somewhat in there or was it straight up demanding? This is how it's been interpreted back to me over the years and our father God rest his soul is not available to defend himself so I will let it lie at that but it's been a family joke for a lot of years that dad wanted to be very clear with John that he loved and respected him and he was welcome to ask for my hand but John needed to make sure he really wanted my hand and I will just say because dad's not here to speak to it I mean goodness bless your husband who is one of the sweetest and most servant-hearted people that we know but we did we used to all sit and watch in your courting years as a he called you sunshine all the time and would constantly wherever you were sitting be asking if he could bring you a drink or he could do something for you and we were all like oh my gosh she found someone who's gonna do everything Listen, don't knock it unless you try it. That's all I got to say. All right. Before this erodes further and Jen outs me on more embarrassing items, I would just like to say thank you for joining us on Memory Lane in fully supervised co-ed couples. Thanks for listening to this episode about unwritten rules. And we would like to be very clear that we have a written please follow rule. Like us on social media, listen to our podcast and share with friends. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sisters of Industry. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life. <laughs>